0: Just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I am talking to Chelsea Horton, and we are discussing her diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and hypermobile Alice Danlos syndrome. In this episode, Chelsea shares her experiences of seeking a diagnosis of PCOS, PMDD and HEDS, which includes flying to a different city for an appointment, how each of these conditions affect her, the importance of talking about periods, and how validating it can be talking to someone who understands. I am constantly honoured with how many people choose to share their stories with me, so a big thank you to Chelsea for being so open and honest throughout our chat. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the interview and chat about what we're here to talk about today, I just wanted to say how cool that you are a marine mammal (laughs) medic for Project Jonah. That is so cool. Thanks. Yeah, so
1: when dolphins and whales are stranded, then I know how to look after them and then refloat them into the ocean. Yeah, it's a pretty random but I've got a lot of dolphin facts.
0: Have you always been like interested in marine mammals? Yeah, I have always been interested in them.
1: I just think they're really cool and kind of a bit mysterious, you know? Like we don't know too much about them, like we don't know where whale sharks mate or where they come from you know so I think yeah they're one of the last few mysteries.
0: That is so cool I'm not sure if I've like ever spoken to anybody who is (laughs) trained to do this so this is really cool. (laughs) So when
1: you train and they get like a proper life-sized pilot whale and they blow it up well they fill it with water so it's like the proper weight and the proper length and you practice with like getting the whale back into the water
0: wow <laughs> that is amazing and i'm also sorry to see that there was a massive stranding of whales recently on the chatham yeah, islands on the chatham islands yeah it yeah. was a heap there so
1: they would it this they, just, they wouldn't have had enough people yeah. to help out but it's, yeah it's really sad
0: yeah but that isn't what we have connected over and why we're here chatting today. <laughs> we are talking about your diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, and also hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I'm really excited. I'm not excited that you have anything to be on the (laughs) podcast to talk about, but I'm really excited to learn more about your story today. So again, thank you so much for being here. Where shall we start? What was the first of these diagnoses to into your life so the first
1: proper diagnosis would probably be polycystic ovary syndrome Mm -hmm. so when i was younger i just didn't start my periods when i was 16. i didn't start my periods properly when i was 18. it got to when i was 20 and i'd been back to the doctors multiple times to say you know this isn't right i i think i'd had maybe like one or two periods and by the time i was 20 i then had to ask the doctors to sort of take it seriously because I was a bit worried I thought you know everybody else has had their periods by now it's pretty normal so they eventually did some blood tests and then an internal scan and they saw that I had polycystic ovaries okay but yeah it took a fair while to get that diagnosis
0: yeah so what was that diagnosis process like
1: yeah it it was pretty long so I went to the doctors when I was 16 and said my periods haven't started and they said Well, you know, come back when you're 18. Maybe they'll have started by then. Okay. Went back when I was 18. And again, the same for when I was 20. And they said, you know, it's just your periods will start eventually. And I had to really push them to say, okay, well, clearly something's not right. I'm not getting my periods. So can you do something about it? And even then they were kind of a bit like, ho-hum, we'll send you for a scan, but there's not much we can do about it. And especially... Since so I'm thirty two now, and since then it's been a whole long process of getting different medications, and there's been complications, and yeah, it's been challenging.
0: Yeah, so when they do the scan and they say, "Yep, yeah, this is what you have, PCOS," essentially, is there a sense of what the future? Is going to look like or what steps you can do to help with that moving forward
1: not really I never got that it's only been recently within the last few years that they have said well, doctors have said you know there are things that we can do because polycytic ovaries can mean that you struggle to get pregnant yeah and um, so I think when I was young and I was diagnosed at around 20 I think their focus was, oh, you probably don't want to have a child now. So there's nothing we really need to tell you about that. Right. And then it wasn't until like, maybe two years ago that they said, oh, well, you're, you're 30 now. So you better start thinking about whether you want a child. And then eventually said, you know, there is something that we can do. We can put you on this medication that will force you to ovulate and you should be okay to have a baby. But for 10 years, you know, there was a real lack in between and I, I, with a lot of, um, a lot of women's issues they try to solve with using the pill and so I got put on the contraceptive pill to try to regulate my periods. It actually brings a false period on so it's not even a real period and from there I got the pill caused me to get a deep vein thrombosis. Oh no. (laughs) So I had to come off that because I was at risk of having a stroke but I was on blood thinners for I had to inject myself in the stomach for 10 days three times a day and then I had um, I think it was three months of being on blood thinners to get over the DVT and then only after all contraceptive hormonal options were rolled out then eventually um, doctors offered me metformin which helps with insulin resistance which is actually more of Part, they think it's more of the cause of polycystic ovaries, and the actual cysts on your ovaries are more of um, the outcome of your issues with hormones.
0: With the DVT, did you know that that was a side effect? Because I know of a lot of people, you know, that start these sort of hormone treatments or the contraceptive pill, and they don't really understand that that's even a possibility. Like, did you know what to look out for? So,
1: I had, you know, it's on the warning packet for the pill and also I get frequent migraines. Um, So the doctors had said that I was at risk of getting DVT, but it was a very low risk. And then I flew to the UK to see my family, and within a day or two, I just, I couldn't stand up on my leg. Right. Um, It was really painful, and I went, ended up going to the hospital, and yeah, they found out then that it was the DVT. So I had been at risk of taking the hormones, but the doctor had cleared it to say I could take it.
0: Were you able to fly back to New Zealand? Well, within a week, I flew to Germany. Oh, (laughs) Um, it. as soon as they
1: as soon as they put me on the um injections it was fine and they again the doctor cleared me to fly to Germany he was like ah I'm sure you'll be fine it's a short flight (laughs) (laughs) and then I flew back to New Zealand
0: okay so then starting with the metformin because it might be insulin sort of connected with the PCOS did you have An understanding over what PCOS was during that time, and like, did you really understand much about this condition? It's never really been properly
1: well until recently hadn't been properly explained to me how it all works with the hormones and the insulin resistance. It's only once I started on metformin that you know I was doing my own research. But I feel like when you're diagnosed with these things, doctors are like, "Oh, you've got polycystic ovaries. Okay, well, go on hormones, and that's it." Yeah, and you don't get a base explanation of what's actually going on in your body to cause that and how medications can help out with that it's just sort of I feel like with a lot of women's issues it's just you get put on the pill and they hope for the best and you know it's known that there's a massive um, lack of knowledge about how so how not only women's issues affect women but also other issues when medical issues when they're only the tests are only done on men
0: yeah with this diagnosis of PCOS is it your GP that is your like first point of call to actually manage this
1: yes it is so um, I changed GPs last year because my old doctor surgery closed so I was originally diagnosed in the UK and I've lived in New Zealand for about 10 years now and my new doctor has been amazing. She's the one that suggested the metformin okay. to try it out because after the DVT, I've never been allowed to have um, hormonal contraception again. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's trying out different things, but I'm just so shocked that it took all that time to then be offered something other than the pill.
0: It's fascinating when you look back with hindsight of like how much more knowledge you might have been able to have over those 10 years leading To where you are now. And so
1: with the metformin, the whole reason that I want to, I don't want to get pregnant, the whole reason I want to regulate my periods is because I get affected by premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Yes. PMDD.
0: So when did that enter
1: your life? So I knew that I got really sad, like really sad, (laughs) fairly frequently when I was on the pill, but I didn't know what was causing it and then i started to track it and it was literally the week before my period a week to 10 days before my period all of a sudden i would be so incredibly sad for no reason yeah irrational tired bone tired unable to concentrate i like i hate looking in the mirror i just feel like i i don't i barely recognize the person in front of me i feel like i'm like three sizes bigger than I am it's so bizarre I don't want to wear any of my clothes which is sad because I have some really good clothes (laughs) and I I don't want to put them on and I just I have no motivation and life feels really really hard and I started to track it and yeah it was a week to 10 days before my period and then when I had to stop taking the pill I really realized that when It was exactly with my period. So again, I went to the doctor.
0: And when you went to the doctor, were they receptive and willing to investigate what this might be?
1: So again, I'd done my own research Mm -hmm. because, you know, people say it's like PMS, but it's not. It's way worse than PMS. Like it, I am not like myself at all in those days. It's scary. And I once I come out of it I can recognize oh that was PMDD my period started the cloud has lifted but when I'm in it I'm not even rational enough to say this is what it is
0: yeah
1: yeah so that's been hard and then trying to because I already take fluoxetine for depression I then take I try if I know when these days are but it's hard because my period isn't regular because of the polycystic I then take double fluoxetine, vitamin B12, and I also take an antihistamine to try and stop the reaction to my own hormones, because it's the rise in progesterone.
0: Okay. And so they think that with the metformin, that might actually be able to help regulate your periods. Yeah.
1: So at the moment, it seems to be that I'm on like maybe a 42 to 46 day cycle. Okay. I don't know if that's because of the metformin. I don't want to try not taking it again because (laughs) it might send things out of whack but yeah I, I hope it's helping it's hard to tell if it is or not.
0: With PCOS and PMDD did you know of anybody else that had these conditions or had you like heard about it being talked about before? So I'd heard
1: of polycystic ovaries and I know a fair few people with it. Okay. Polycystic ovaries can have horrendous side effects so you can like get extra hair which just makes you know day to day you just can feel unfeminine and yeah it's just not nice and weight gain yeah it can cause quite a few symptoms so I did know people with polycystic ovaries and quite a few people with endometriosis as well yeah. so I think nowadays it's more spoken about your issues that you might have with your cycle um yeah and there's this great podcast called 28 ish days later okay and I can't remember who I think it's it, the podcast presenter her name's India and she goes through every single day of her cycle and does a day podcasting and it's amazing to hear you know people speak about it um, and all the different things that can affect you in your period yeah
0: that's so interesting
1: one of the days is PMDD so with PMDD I hadn't heard of anyone having it again it's just googling it and being like why do I want to die the week before my period yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah But since then, one of my best friends has also been diagnosed with it and it makes a lot of sense because she gets really clumsy the week before her period and gets the same kind of symptoms as me, yeah.
0: Okay, that's amazing that people are talking about it so much, which is a great thing. You know, I'm obviously, as the person behind that, so chronic, absolutely (laughs) stoked that people are talking about things more. But yeah, imagine like 10 years ago, even 5 years ago, looking back, A lot of these things weren't really talked about. Yeah.
1: And I feel like I don't have qualms talking about it, even to like my work colleagues, because it helps to kind of stop the stigma of talking about it. Like periods are a normal bodily function. And so many people have issues with them and people don't talk about it. And I feel like the more you do, the better, you know, people can understand.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, there is another diagnosis to (laughs) enter the scene, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. What inspired you to start researching and investigating for that diagnosis? So ever since I was a child, I've always hurt myself
1: often. And I just thought, you know, I was clumsy and it was pretty normal to sprain your ankle all the time. I broke my wrist, but... When I was probably around 10 or 11, somebody, some of my cousins jumped on me on a bed and my knee popped out. Oh no. Yeah. And ever since then, yeah, I've had multiple dislocations. Um, so I've done my shoulder maybe five times. My toes, if I get cramp when I'm swimming, they pop out. So that's really <sighs> gross. <laughs> Um, I've dislocated my thumbs I did my jaw yawning even yesterday my thing my little finger popped out folding um, some laundry so yeah I needed to look into it when I was a child um, people always used to say oh you're really flexible and I could get my legs behind my head and I also have really stretchy skin Mm -hmm. and with all of these dislocations I needed something to be done about it so I started seeing a physio, and I really do need to do my physio exercises. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do. Yes. Um, but it's good to have a diagnosis for what's going on. It also comes with a heap of comorbidities. So when mm-hmm. I stand up, I get really dizzy. Okay. I My temperature, I just can't regulate my temperature very well. And we always used to joke about it, like, oh, all of a sudden you're so hot and all of a sudden you're so cold. But it's, yeah, it's to do with my temperature. And a new recent Discovery has been just getting really rashy in the shower, like, with heat, it's really rashy.
0: Yeah, yep. and so was this diagnosis over in the UK or was that when you were here in New Zealand? So it's actually formally only
1: in the past few months. So I went to my doctor and she's referred me to a specialist in Auckland, okay. But he, his waiting list is apparently four years now. So
0: <sighs> that's really interesting that you should say that because the episode that will have come out. A week before your episode, in there the wait was two years and I was like, Oh, I should probably fact check that and now four years. Oh my goodness. Well, you hear different things from different people, but
1: um when they rang me last November I think it was, they said two and a half years if you're lucky, but if you're losing weight um and you get under a certain weight, let us know and we'll Make it faster because um, oh my goodness, EDS can affect your digestive system yeah. and it does affect mine. But I can maintain a normal weight probably because of polycystic ovaries. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, they said if you get under a certain weight, then we can you know hurry you through. But otherwise, it's a waiting game. So yeah. there's also the Ellis Lost Society of New Zealand, and I think that's what they're called, and they have a Facebook page. So I went along to some of their webinars that they ran for Ella's Dan Loss Awareness Week mm-hmm. and someone on there suggested that I went to see a amazing woman in Christchurch. Um, her name's Anita Crawshaw okay. and she's at the Hypermobility Clinic. So I made an appointment with her. She had a six-month waiting list. Wow. But I flew down there um, just a couple of weeks ago and she did an assessment and yeah, so it is as expe- as suspected, um, yeah. hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And then now I can work with her on Zoom to work through exercises. And she's teaching me the things I need to do nutritionally and things like that.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, is that a private service or is that part of the public healthcare system?
1: So it's private. Okay. So, I, yeah, I paid privately. I, it's just got to a point where my joints are getting worse. Yeah. And the pain is getting worse and doing everyday tasks isn't as easy as it used to be so yeah it's it's been a real challenge and actually um just before I was on the call as I was telling you I went to the hand therapist because Anita had asked me to go there to get some splints because when I sleep I sleep with my I keep bending my wrists and ending up pushing them down with my head in my sleep and I wake up with sore wrists so I went to the hand therapist and he's given me some splints and I was just he was saying to me oh are you okay and I said I'm just Tired, yeah and it can just be really tiring having to figure out what the heck is wrong with you advocate for yourself find the right people to see fly to bloody Christchurch yes. to
0: <laughs>
1: have an appointment yeah and just stay on top of things whilst you know maintaining a job and everything yeah and with with the pmdd that just ruins my life you yeah. know once a yeah. month so it's hard yeah
0: Yeah, and I guess made even more difficult by the fact that you can't necessarily track and plan and put in a calendar when that is going to happen.
1: If I could, I would, you know, be like, this week, no plans. Yeah, I know to take double fluoxetine. I know to take extra vitamins. Yeah, I would know to really look after myself. I'd be able to warn people. But my partner can tell, can kind of pretty much tell when it's happening. She's like you've got PMDD right now. But then because I'm so irrational at the time, I'm like, no, I don't, don't do yeah. that. I'm just sad. I'm so <laughs> sad. And I think I've even used the words like,
0: you're, you're not accepting my reality. But it is so hard when you're in that space to rationally, you know, step outside and look and logically be like, no, this is why this is happening. Yeah. And then as soon as
1: my period comes, it's like the sunshine comes out and I'm like, oh shit and then for the past like seven to ten days and then I I just it's embarrassing as well because you're like god what have I been like you know especially with my partner I'm like I'm so sorry that I I pick fights with her for no reason and I feel awful about it and in my logical head I can be like this is like obviously I wouldn't normally pick a fight about that but One of my things that I really get with the PMDD is like a sense of rejection. Any type of rejection really in my brain is like, my friends don't want to be friends with me. My partner doesn't want to be with me. You know, it really blows up. But in my normal head, I'd be like, oh, it's perfectly fine if somebody's got plans with somebody else other than me. Like, obviously. But no, PMDD is like this awful bug that gets in your head and warps your world vision and it's just yeah it's not good
0: yeah before we carry on with the interview i wanted to quickly jump in and say thanks for listening whether this is your first episode of that so chronic or you've been listening for a while it means the world that you are here if you're enjoying this episode and you haven't already connected over on instagram tiktok or signed up to the monthly newsletter head to the show notes for links to follow all right back to the interview Symptoms-wise, with the hypermobile Alice danlos syndrome, what would your day-to-day look like? I know you mentioned a little bit about the dislocations, but are there any other symptoms that you're also having to navigate? So a weird one is my teeth are moving. So,
1: yeah. Okay. So... Hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is, it's all to do with your connective tissues of your body and so I had braces on for five years when I was younger and now my teeth are really moving quite rapidly. Okay. So I'll probably need to get a retainer for those. (laughs) What other symptoms? So my ribs do this fun thing where they pop out and it's kind of a bit of a weird one. It feels like I've been shot so all of a sudden i would be like. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and yeah it affects my gut as well um so I get acid reflux um and I also get really badly bloated and yeah just the pain it's it feels like you never know which joint is going to hurt when like so one day I'll be fine
0: and then the next I'm like oh my hips really hurt yeah super unpredictable it sounds like
1: and also with scarring so recently I burnt myself on an air fryer (laughs) (laughs) and it um yeah it's not healing well it will heal but it will heal like it takes a lot longer to heal I also I think it was yeah it was this year this year I had a breast reduction and if they had known more about my like my skin type Mm
0: -hmm. they might
1: have been able to stop it from happening but my scars have gone keloid so they've kind of like gone raised and bumpy and quite hard because of how my skin works like if I cut myself it will take ages for the scar to heal and it will always heal either like quite wide or thick okay yeah it's weird
0: <laughs> with PCOS PMDD and EDS a lot of the time from listening to you speaking today but also from other people that I've interviewed as well a lot of those times the symptoms can be somewhat invisible obviously not Invisible to the person experiencing the symptoms at all, but to a lot of people from the outside looking in, they might not necessarily know that anything is going on. How have you found that invisible nature of things to be?
1: I think it can be really challenging because, yeah, as you say, people can't see it, and also with me, it's not every single day that I feel awful, yeah, or every single day that I'm in pain. Sometimes, you know, I can. I used to run and now I feel a bit scared of running because I'm like what if my knees go yeah. um, but I want to get back to that but yeah it can be it can be challenging and I feel like I don't know if it's just me projecting or me actually seeing it like this but sometimes I think people are kind of like oh no not again she's sick again yeah. or yeah. you know you can't always be in that much pain all the time how do you go about your daily life but I didn't even realize that I do it my colleague teams to me earlier because she could see on a video call that I was like moving my wrists they were really sore but I don't even realize that I'm doing it now because
0: yeah
1: they are so sore and with the with the hormonal stuff it yeah it's really challenging because you're like I don't know when it's coming then when it does come and it's kind of having to explain it to people and especially yeah. to people who don't have periods mostly men They just don't get it. They don't understand how hormones that your body creates can affect you so much. And, you know, like it does affect your coordination and your mood and your concentration. If I need to do something big at work during the PMDD week, I just have to, I have to put in brown noise in my ears which is like white noise but a bit softer yeah and I have to laser focus like really try to focus to even get the most basic thing done and it really does affect you
0: yeah and then couple that with also being in pain or fingers dislocating you know it's definitely (laughs) a lot yeah it
1: is yeah it can be it's yeah it can be really tiring um Mm -hmm. but then some days I'm absolutely fine and I can yeah just be good it's yeah it's not like a It's not a visible thing that people can see. Even yesterday, I was in the hydrotherapy pool (laughs) and I was probably the youngest person by about 20 (laughs) or 30 years. And I just felt like all these older people with arthritis were looking at me like, why is she here?
0: (laughs) Yeah. How have you found your mental health throughout all of this?
1: So I... have like baseline depression anyway Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty open about that with everyone so I'm on I take fluoxetine daily and I also go and see a therapist every two weeks but with the PMDD that obviously makes me feel even worse yeah I guess I'm a pretty happy and positive person and I'm always like I can get over most things I can do most things but it can be relentless when you're when everything feels like it's on fire at once like if I've got PMDD going on with the rest of my body hurting and I just feel so drained and exhausted and then I feel like I can't do all the things that I want to do I feel like you know I should be able to do anything that I want and I feel like you could be like anyone should be able to achieve whatever they want to achieve but it can sometimes feel like oh I can't do that like I guess I couldn't be a world-class trampolina because I'd probably dislocate my knees, so that's one option out for the table. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's even like with the polycystic ovaries, like I don't necessarily want children. I don't think I do want children, but when they that is one of the things that really did get me was when or does continue to upset me is when people say and I think women get this a lot, you know, when are you having a baby? Or do you want a baby without any kind of pre-warning or thinking about whether that's an appropriate question to ask. And yeah, like that upsets me. Like I don't even particularly want a child, but the fact that it would be more difficult for me having polycystic ovaries and that kind of narrative around not being able to have a child upsets me even though I don't particularly want one it makes you feel like you're somehow lesser and that yeah that has been a challenge to work
0: through and again going back to that whole invisible nature of everything where people can't see what's going on and are not I guess able to understand it's tricky yeah
1: and you know some people with EDS have like mobility aids so like a stick or a wheelchair and I'm very I am very fortunate that I don't have to use those yeah so it's not immediate obvious immediately obvious to the eye that yeah. there's something wrong with me and then somebody will catch me like holding a pen really weirdly and they're like oh <laughs> yeah. <a> bit different <laughs> <laughs> they also when I was at school I had to have handwriting lessons when I was like 16 and it all makes so much sense now yeah. because I don't hold a pen normally. So obviously I can't write normally.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure what it was like in the UK, but here in New Zealand, especially when I was growing up, you had to get your pen license <laughs> where you would be able to progress from pencils to pens at school.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> I don't know like how you proved it. I guess we had to do some writing on a piece of paper to get your pen license.
1: I think I would still fail my pen license now. <laughs>
0: maybe I'll just send you a pen license to your email (laughs) oh yes babe (laughs) speaking of holding a pen a little bit differently when we connected you mentioned that you really enjoy crafting especially embroidery I'm curious as to whether there have been any sort of changes to your lifestyle to be able to do some of these things that you really enjoy have you noticed that you have had to to change anything to accommodate for these conditions?
1: So I probably can't embroider for as long as I used to be able to. and um, My thumbs are really loosey-goosey at the moment. Okay. Um, so even holding the embroidery hoop is quite difficult and holding a needle but i've recently started working with a hand therapist and so he's going to (laughs) make me a a splint which will out so he's going to mold this plastic which is pretty cool cool
0: um
1: so he's going to mold this plastic to um hold my thumb in place so it'll be a bit easier for me to um actually hold a needle and i'm also going to get um you can get one of these stands that holds the hoop for you like the a wooden bit goes under your leg and then it has a kind of stand thing that holds the hoop so I wouldn't then need to hold it with my left hand and embroider with yeah. my right hand amazing so, so there are like modifications but I think I've been doing less and less embroidery and only just now talking about it actually it's made me realize that yeah I probably have been doing less because it's not been as easy yeah I've been finding it harder and harder to open things like cheese packets and things like that because I just my thumbs are so like yeah it's just really hard to get that grip so hopefully the hand therapist will help out so i work with my physio who's based in christchurch on zoom but i've started seeing the hand therapist in wellington um who can actually give me the physical splints and things like that
0: i was going to ask who is sort of in your toolkit of medical professionals to help navigate all of this the doctor yeah the pharmacist The specialist physio in Christchurch at the
1: hypermobility clinic and the hand therapist. And then I sometimes get massages and I've also found that dry needling has really helped with pain in my neck too. So yeah, quite the toolkit of people.
0: (laughs) If someone's listening to this episode and they are also trying to find a diagnosis for symptoms that might be happening for them... Would you have any sort of advice or a gem of wisdom perhaps that you would like to share? Perhaps something that you would have loved to have heard a few years ago when you were trying to work out what this PCOS was, PMDD, even now seeking a diagnosis of EDS?
1: So when I was seeking the diagnosis of EDS, when I finally got the appointment with Anita, um, the specialist physio in Christchurch, she Mm -hmm. actually has hypermobile ellis Danlos herself
0: oh that's like a whole other thing isn't it like being able to find someone who actually understands who's on your medical team yeah and she's amazing and she she's even like things that i'd never knew before
1: like with most physios they're like push into the pain it means it's working and for hypermobile ellis Danlos, she said don't push into the pain like as soon as it hurts stop yeah. and you know don't do your party tricks that you feel that you can do that, like you used yeah. to show off when you were little like yeah don't, don't show them off anymore don't do those anymore um and so when I met her and we were talking about it and you know she looked at they they do this thing called the I think it's called the Bainton scale where they check how hypermobile you are and she did it all and you know just her saying yes it is hypermobile syndrome know all these symptoms that you know quite often they can get brushed away or you think am I imagining this yes when you meet somebody else with the same condition and they are also experiencing all of the symptoms it's just so validating you're like hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome apparently affects one in 5,000 people which is actually more than you would think yeah and it's so unknown by doctors so I think a lot of people probably go undiagnosed and just deal with these weird symptoms all the time just thinking oh that's a bit strange but when you meet somebody else with your symptoms it can be so validating and it can make you feel seen so I'm part of some Facebook groups so the um, hypermobile alistan loss one PCOS and PMDD in New Zealand all have Facebook groups amazing and even just seeing people comment on there you can comment anonymously or you can comment under your name and just say like i'm having a bad day this is what's happening to me and somebody else will say you know me too i see you i feel you that can be really validating and that can especially with some of these invisible illnesses and when you feel like, you know, it's all in your head, it's not. And other people are going through it too.
0: Have you ever had any moments where you've just been like, why me? Why do, why do I have to have these things?
1: Yeah, sometimes like at New Year's, on New Year's Eve, I did a forward roll and dislocated my shoulder. Yeah. And it's like, why can't I just be a silly drunk person who can <laughs> do a forwards roll? without dislocating my shoulder and having to interrupt a game of dares to put my shoulder back in. Yeah, it's sometimes it's just like you can't be as free as you want to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and exactly like you say, just how important that connection is, being able to connect with other people. And I'm sure a lot of people listening – will also be thanking you for sharing your story today and for them being able to listen to a little bit about your journey. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Jess thanks again to Chelsea for sharing her story with all of you listening today. And a big thank you to you for listening to this episode. If you're not following That's So Chronic on Instagram, you might not know that it's kind of just me behind the scenes making all of this happen. So every listen, share, follow, rating and review really makes my day and means that I can continue to interview as many people as possible and help share their stories. The ratings and reviews in particular really help That So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly hope so again thank you for being here i literally couldn't do it without you